0: So why is it that truth and honesty are vanishing commodities in our world governments? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you to the Tuesday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. As you can tell, my voice is still a mess. Somehow we're gonna get through today's radio program. I'm doing everything possible to not talk, to gargle, to do all the things you're supposed to do. Now, just so you do know, this all became a problem following my last surgery and my vocal cords were irritated you know, by the breathing tube. Now, this happened once before, but not quite this bad. We're gonna try to talk to a doctor this week Yet my wife and I are needing to be out of town toward the end of the week. So I'm not sure how we're going to make this all happen. But keep me in your prayers and hopefully this will clear up. There are moments, there are times during the day that the voice comes back for a few minutes and then it disappears. And So once we can get control of of this problem, I hope that it'll just go away. So keep me in your prayers as we continue along. Well, today, at least on the first half of the program, I have a few stories that are very troubling. And and it makes you wonder about the honesty and integrity of many of our government officials, even many of our politicians. And I'm not talking just here in the United States, I'm talking all over the world. It has become more common for governments to engage in misinformation, propaganda, partial truths. Now, as Jesse Jackson, who I very seldom agree with, once said, that a half-truth is a whole lie. And our federal government here in the United States, same is true in Canada, They've mastered the art of lies and deception. That's all I can say. They would rather tell you a lie to control a narrative than be honest and upfront with you on some very vital topics. Even yesterday's stunt, and that's what I call it, of President Biden going to Ukraine It was nothing but a PR stunt. The President of the United States has been derelict in his duty. He has hired some of the most unworthy individuals to lead major government agencies. They're liars, they're reprobates, or unqualified. And the government is full of these individuals now, in charge of many important aspects of your life and mine. I mean, anybody that believes that there was an air raid while the President of the United States was in Kiev, in Ukraine, on President's Day, is somebody that is easily deceived. It was just like Hollywood. As the door opened from the church and the President of the United States along with the President of Ukraine, the former R-rated comedian, Vladimir Zelensky, walking walking down this roadway together. On cue, just like in Hollywood, there were the air raid sirens in the background in that solemn moment. And a few soldiers peering into the sky We might be under the threat of a Russian attack. Yet the truth was self-evident. Not an aircraft or a missile was ever seen on radar. This was nothing more than a Hollywood stunt. And how many Americans fell for it? This entire PR stunt reminded me of another famous liar... Hillary Rodham Clinton, as she recalled her time, going to Bosnia. And it, it too, turned out to be a big, fat lie.
1: I remember landing under sniper fire. There was supposed to be some kind of a greeting ceremony at the airport, but instead we just ran with our heads down to get into the vehicles uh, to get to our base.
0: And why was the president of the United States in Ukraine on President's Day? Why is he avoiding East Palestine, Ohio? Where a disaster of enormous proportions has occurred and will continue to occur for years to come. Now, understand something. I worked in emergency management for a number of years. It was kind of an unexpected career later in life. But during my time, In the years that I was involved, I learned a lot, I did a lot, and some of the statements that have come out of this president are bold face lies. FEMA can't help because, you know, it's not a natural disaster. That's a bunch of baloney. The FEMA website is clear. They deal with both natural and man-made disasters. So why did the president choose to lie? Why did the secretary of transportation choose to lie? Why did the director of FEMA choose to lie? Why do they feel the need to lie to the American people incessantly? It's almost like an addiction. It's almost like being demonically possessed. I can't tell the truth anymore. And this president, for 50 years of his political life, has been a bold-faced, two-faced liar. And I believe probably history will reveal one of the most inept and corrupt individuals ever to be in the White House. And he has surrounded himself with some of the strangest and weirdest individuals His appointees, whether for his cabinet, whether for government positions, and even for the Supreme Court of the United States, they're incompetent, or they're liars, or they're reprobates. Katinja Brown, Jackson, on the Supreme Court back when she was being questioned by the United States Senate for her confirmation, couldn't even answer a simple question that was given to her by Senator Marsha Blackburn.
1: Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a
2: definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't.
1: You can't? can't give me a straight answer, about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about.
0: Now, forget all the legalese, forget all the excuses that as a judge I have to do. It's a bunch of malarkey. It's baloney. It's nonsensical. She refuses to define a woman because if she is honest and gives a legitimate answer, it destroys the leftist narrative being used to demolish this country. We are confusing sexuality, gender, and we are being filled in a world of lies. And these lies are designed to do one thing, to break us down and to enslave us. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, let me ask this, was the idea that children could, could choose their gender by the first, second, and third grade, was that even something that any of you would have comprehended? Would it make sense? But now, this reprobate, demonically filled administration, the Biden administration, cut it, you can say whatever you want, it is filled with demons. Only demonically possessed people could spout the insanity that comes out of these so-called educated leaders. The president appointed a surgeon general that made millions in the pharmaceutical trade. He can't be trusted. And who does he appoint? Richard Levine, who believes he's some kind of a woman called Rachel. And now is the first woman rear (laughs) rear admiral in the health department. This is ridiculous. This is a comedy. This is satire. This is stupidity. And Richard Levine never wants to answer questions about transgendered kids because if he does, he exposes the evil which he represents. And then he has the audacity to get on Twitter with a little video and say things as insane as this. So I encourage all of you to think of yourselves as ambassadors to your communities
3: ambassadors for science, ambassadors for compassion, and ambassadors for care. These conversations don't have to be limited or restricted to a medical setting. Offer yourselves as informational resources, not just for youth, but for school teachers, principals, school boards, professional organizations, recreation centers, county commissioners, and others who would benefit from this information in your perspective. Please proactively seek opportunities to speak about what you know. Our task is to educate the public in as many forms as possible. We need to have these conversations that question the assumptions that are underlying today's attacks on trans people.
0: Now, Mr. Levine, I refuse to call you Admiral Levine. You never earned it. I refuse to call you Rachel Levine because you are a man. You were born a male. You were married. You fathered children. Until one day, mass delusion of biblical proportions overwhelmed you. And you woke up one day, and suddenly...
3: Man, I feel like a woman.
0: And now, Richard, let me say something else that's very important. When somebody is being... 100% truthful and 100% honest, that should never be equated to being hateful. Truth is agnostic when it comes to hate or like. Truth is simply truth. Facts are simply facts. And you have chosen to throw away science the only science that Dr. Levine is really believing in is political science. There is not one shred of medical science to back any of his absurd claims. And I refuse to participate and encourage you to live in your mental illness. Yet our government... The reprobates in the administration are demanding that we all accept your mental illness as normalcy. You are you are grooming children. You are influencing young children who have not matured enough to understand 90% of what you are talking about. And you want them to mutilate their bodies. Mr. Levine, you are demonically possessed. You're an evil man. You should not be working in the government. You shouldn't even have a medical license because you are a ever threat to young children and people all across the United States. You need to be fired or resign immediately and seek help. And then you have people like Xavier Becerra over at the Department of Health and Human Resources. He's the secretary. He's on the Biden cabinet. A typical reprobate on the Biden cabinet. And he was asked some questions about a year ago, appearing before the Congress of the United States. And once again, he refuses to give a scientific or legitimate answer and only plays a very evil game of politics and word
4: salad.
1: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And thank you, Secretary Becerra. Thank you for being here today. I appreciate you coming before the committee Um, to start off as a secretary of health and human services. Can you define for this committee? What is a man?
2: You're looking at one.
1: Great. So you are a man. I like that. Can you tell me, can men get pregnant?
2: Uh, Unless you know something I don't, uh, I think the answer is pretty obvious.
1: What is that answer, sir?
2: I'm asking you, is there something you know that I don't know that would would say that a man... Well,
1: I'm asking what you know. Can men get pregnant?
2: I'm not aware of it.
1: Okay. Well, um, Mr. Secretary Materials, coming from your department, you've referred to mothers as as birthing persons, replacing that title with...
2: Are, Are mothers not persons?
1: Mothers are persons, but it seems to be more inclusive, like you're trying to include another gender in that.
2: I'm all about inclusion.
1: Congresswoman. There you go. Um, so, well, you know, just as a mother of four boys, um, I'm not necessarily offended at that. I am a person, um, but it's just unscientific and absurd. Um, how, how so? To include men in that. If you're going a to person? be inclusive. If you're going to be inclusive in birthing persons, yes.
2: Well, but, but it seems to me that you're Let's trying back to define up. Can, the term.
1: Reclaiming my time. Can men get pregnant? Then we don't need to include them in this mothers are mothers moving forward mr secretary i want to read for you um, from a document from your office um, the office of um, population affairs Um, it says in here and i quote gender affirming care encompasses many facets of health care needs and support it has been shown to increase positive outcomes for transgender and non-binary children mr secretary what is a transgender child
2: a, a child in America is a child in America, and I hope you and I can love that child just as much. As can you define
1: what a transgender child is?
2: A, a, that's a child in America, and it's an American citizen child who needs the services and love just the way any other child does.
1: Mr. Secretary, do you believe that a child is capable of making life-altering de- uh, decisions to maim themselves?
2: So let me, let me just say to you that I don't agree with your premise But what I will say to you is children know much about themselves and with the help of their. Do you
1: believe that children are capable of making the decision to self mutilate?
2: Again, I don't necessarily accept the. Well, Mr. Secretary,
1: I mean, you have gender affirming care for young people. So this is something that you I don't equate gender affirming
2: affirming care to mutilation.
0: Secretary Becker, you're an unfit individual to serve the people of the United States. You need to resign. You need mental health care. You're believing you're believing political lies. So I guess young children should have the ability to decide if they can drive a car. Maybe they can buy alcohol or cigarettes. Or work in a in a factory when they're little kids. Maybe we should let second graders vote. You want them to be able to make health care decisions only using the reprobates in the public school as their guide and demonically possess people like you and Mr. Levine. You people are sick. You people are evil. Evil doesn't even begin to describe what is running the Biden administration. I have never seen such evil, such reprobate lies, disinformation, and you wonder why when you talk about what happened in East Palestine, Ohio, everything's safe, everything's fine. I don't believe a word of it. I believe we have a huge disaster that will not just impact the people of East Palestine. It will impact people hundreds, if not a thousand miles away, over time. Our government is filled with liars, political operatives, people that hate you, your faith, your family, this nation. They are traitors and they're using the government system to destroy us and bring us under the control of demonically possessed elites. I know it sounds over the top, but you cannot explain any of this theater and the never ending lies. Everything from take the vaccine, you'll never get COVID. Well, if you take it and keep getting boosted, you may get COVID two, three, and even four times. That was a lie. If you get the vaccine, you can't spread it. That too was a lie. We have been told lie after lie for three solid years on just that one front alone. And now somehow we're supposed to believe that children in the womb that are not aborted already know their gender is wrong from these reprobates. Do you believe in what we're trying to explain If you believe in this work in this ministry, would you consider giving us your financial support? Also pray that my voice recovers. If you can help us out financially, consider writing a check made payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. The mailing address is Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. The city is Chilhowie. C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia. And the zip code is 24319. That's 24319. Also, you can use the website. We use a Christian crowdsource funding group called Give, Send, Go. Our website, truththenumber2ponder.com. truththenumber2ponder.com. And we will be right back. This is truth
3: to ponder with Bob Bierman. The Forbidden Fruit Principle coming up. Shalom alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn. Your Jewish connection bring you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special gift. You're going to get in love. I'll tell you about it in a moment. Now, there are all sorts of books called the Lost Books of the Bible or or titles like that. The Missing Years of Jesus or the other revelations, the Lost Gospels and all the things that God didn't reveal in the Bible. You know, ever since Garden of Eden, ever since Eve ate that fruit of the tree, you know, it's been around. You know, he gave them every tree to eat and only one did he refrain them from. But what do they do? They focus on that one that's outside of God's will. David had everything. What did he do? He focused on that one outside God's will, the forbidden fruit, Bathsheba. Human nature has always been seeking for life outside of God. And we do it too. We think it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's God and we need this. It's God, plus we need to kind of get this out. And maybe it's a little outside his will, but we kind of need to fill ourselves with it or indulge in this. But the truth is there's nothing of life outside of him. There's nothing of joy outside of him. It's all in him. Every revelation, every mystery, every, every fullness of deity, every true joy that lasts, everything, it's all in him. So, and whatever you thought you had to get outside of God's will, well, it's not outside. The only good is inside him. The joy you have to find by seeking it in him. You know, I mean, think of how much we would have avoided if if they, if they, Adam and Eve stuck with all the trees of the garden and just except one, instead of focusing on the one. The same with you. Stop focusing on what you don't have. Rejoice in what you do. Seek everything in him. Seek your joy in him with all your heart. And you'll find it. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, here is something else. It'll bless you from the... The sands of Judea to the wings of the cherubim, the awesome mystery of the temple doors, the hidden writings of the rabbis that prove Jesus as the Messiah. Amazing stuff. You'll get the mystery of the temple doors on CD, plus sapphires, your super spiritual supplement for a super spiritual walk in the Lord, free. How do you get this all free? Easy. Just write down Jesus' name. Write down 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's call it for your free gifts. You will be blessed, but call now 1-800-YESHUA-1. Inviting invite you to join me to reach the unreached peoples of the world in the most incredible way from Moscow to Jerusalem. It's amazing. You know, it's like sending a billion tracks around the world. The farthest way you can ever spread the gospel. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. It's right to the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. That's Box 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. You can visit us at the web on hopeoftheworld.com. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Alethem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah. Rueha HaTov the Good Shepherd.
0: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of Truth to Ponder for this Tuesday. Yeah, the voice is a little rough, but don't worry, I've got something to share in a couple of minutes to give my voice a little bit of a rest. There is no doubt that the United States is standing at a crossroad. If we do not repent as a nation, if we allow these reprobates to continue in leadership, if we fail to do anything fail to even pray, we're going to get what we deserve. And I believe God's hand of judgment is about to be shown on this nation. Never in my lifetime, not even during the Obama years or the Clinton years, have I seen such evil and sick individuals leading the highest levels of government, and also such bold-faced, dishonest people that will lie to you, and they don't care. They have no conscience. They make stuff up out of whole cloth. Gender is fluid. What are your pronouns? Children understand this in the womb. It's okay to be gay. It's okay to be this. It's okay. It's the normal people that are the threat. This is the insanity in which we're living. When does it come to an end? Now listen, if you claim to be a Christian, what price are you willing to pay for your faith? Here in the United States, most people don't want to pay anything. They just want to take, like in a cafeteria, what pleases them they will not yield their life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And there lies a huge problem. We have dying and dead churches all across America that are not proclaiming the faith once delivered. I shared a message about mm, six years ago at a church in Florida. And listen to what I had to say then, and how does it fit our world today? Heavenly Father, as we come to this time that we look at Your Word and hear what You have to say, open our eyes to see what You have given us, our ears to respond to the things You have to say, and our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Seated. I think it was about a month ago I had the opportunity to preach and we were talking about the disciples' experiences with boating. I don't think there was ever a time they ever got on a boat where they had a normal trip. At least the scripture doesn't tell us that they ever had a normal trip. Every time they got out on that Sea of Galilee The winds blew, the waves came up, every time. Almost like the hordes of hell were trying to upset the boat. But then again, we know if you look at the geography of the region, storms coming up suddenly on the Sea of Galilee is a common experience. That's why most of those that did their boating to move their goods didn't go across the sea. They stayed kind of close to shore to get back quickly. Just because of the way the mountains and the hills are and the influence from the Mediterranean Sea can kick up storms with brief periods of 50, 60 mile an hour winds. Kind of like Florida afternoon in the summer. It did just come out of nowhere. And they didn't know when they would come up. They might not even have any rain. Just a sudden clear day and this sudden burst of wind can come across that water and throw up waves and everything else. And so once again, they're on the boat. This time, Jesus, as he did before, gives them a head start. And they're out there and the winds come up and they, he comes walking across the water and gets in the boat. Now, the most important thing is, to me, in this gospel, from, the cha- from uh, John chapter 6, are the words, I love this, the simplest words that he could have said to his disciples, it is I, be not afraid. It is I, be not afraid. For see, Jesus, if you understand the way Scripture talks about Christ's attributes, is the creator of all things all things even the weather come under his subjection as the creator so he comes and says it is I be not afraid I want to move away from that thought we're going to come back to it in just a couple of minutes of why we are not afraid and who that we serve this this lesson we just saw of the feeding of the 5,000. This is not the first time Jesus fed a large crowd. There's another story in the scripture. He fed 4,000. He liked that miracle so much, he did it twice. If you think about that day, Jesus is beginning to get some some fans and and following his reputation of healing and and you know people been known to come up from the dead and and they're healed and all kinds of strange things are happening we have to see this individual and all that he can do if you understand the politics of the day the jewish people were still living under the authority of Rome. And they didn't like it. In their mindset, they are looking for a Messiah to overthrow the Holy Roman, or that time, just the Roman Empire, and get all these centurions and governors and prelates and everybody out of their life that were running their life and taxing them to death and keeping them in subjection. Because they were a conquered people, living in essence in a type of captivity because they're not in control of their full destiny any longer. And so when they hear about this miracle worker, this so-called Messiah with power, the people are really looking for what they can get for themselves and what this guy can do to push out the Romans. Are we going to finally have our kingdom, our king, our full authority? Yeah, the Jewish people had a local king, but his authority was very subjected to the powers of Rome. He could only deal with the, quote, religious things and affairs of the people. The real things like taxation, the real things like who had the authority to take a life, rested with Rome. You remember when Jesus, later on, is taken before King Herod, he can't kill him. He has to have the Romans do it, he has no authority. His being a king is a very limited monarchy, limited to the powers of Rome. So they have to persuade the Romans to do their dirty deed because they couldn't do it themselves. So you have the Jewish people wanting to get rid of Rome. You see this miracle worker out here, and they want to know more. And they're following him, and they're out of food, and they're getting hungry. Now, Jesus then, we'll just do this very quickly in our minds here, takes a whole lot of little and makes it a whole bunch from the little barley loaves and a couple of fishes he feeds five thousand people with food left over plenty of leftovers he multiplied what that young guy gave he gave everything he had i mean he was set for himself he could have easily fed himself taking care of his needs and gone on his merry way home but no he was willing to sacrifice what he had to this individual Jesus who then multiplied it and fed 5000 people they were so impressed as the bible said they were ready to make him the new king right now by acclamation wondering how the king would have felt that was sitting in Jerusalem at the time is another story but Jesus withdraws, sends his disciples away, and then catches up with them on the water when he stops the storm. What a a gospel lesson to have. The feeding, the disappearing act, and then the reappearing act on the water. What kind of faith do we have? Do we have the faith that it takes to be disciples of Jesus Christ Truly, truly, I remember early in my ministry thinking, and you know, this is like, by the way, it was 20 years ago, right about now, that I took over a church on the other coast of Florida, 20 years ago, 20 years have gone by, and I walked into a small little storefront tinier than this with a small group about the size of this and i posed to them pretty much the same question i'm posing to you now you know jesus once said if you have the faith the size of a seed a mustard seed the smallest seed you can move a mountain and i looked at that congregation and said what kind of faith do you have Do you have faith that Jesus actually fed the 5,000, as we've learned today in this scripture, that he could walk upon the water, that he could raise Lazarus from the dead, that he could change water into wine? Do we really believe this stuff, or is this some old, wonderful story from years gone by that has no application to our lives today? Do we really believe this? Is it really the substance of who we are and what we truly believe? Do we believe in the miracles or are they just a nice, wonderful? Or do we believe in ourselves? The church today, in my opinion, faces several problems. Several problems. Many church bodies no longer believe what's contained in the Scriptures, and it's become more of a social club or a group of social justice warriors. That's all they are. They don't really believe the Scriptures. I remember one time after I took over that church on the other coast, I, this is in the early days of email and the early days of websites, and I put one together. I had an Episcopal priest send me a letter an email, asking, did I really believe the nonsense in the Bible? And I wrote back and said, what do you mean? He says, Every, only an idiot would believe in the miracles of the Bible. I said, well, then what are you doing being a priest? He goes, I like organ music and a good paycheck. He believed that Jesus was dead, buried, and rotted somewhere, if he existed at all. His church had 500 people in it in the Tampa area. And so this is what was leading Social Justice Warrior Church. St. Paul says it so well, the day will come when they no longer will endure sound doctrine. They will heap unto themselves teachers with their itching ears, hearing what they want to hear. And so that's what they do. That's the one group that calls themselves The church but they're not the body of Christ because they don't even believe truly in the divinity of Christ they're an organization that means well for whatever varying reason then we have the church the church that so much wants to believe but they can't exercise their faith Now you're probably saying, what what explain that one. They want to believe, but they can't exercise their faith. They want to believe that everything contained in the scripture is true. But they're having a hard time standing on the promises that God has given. They they they're not able to make that first step of real faith, moving into where God would have them to move. And they look only at their own ability and resources and if we can't do it it cannot be done they now limit Christ by saying if we can't do it it can't be done because aren't you relying on us to do it all for you no not at all that kind of a church never finds a resting place they never they never quite get to where they need to be because they have never truly fully stood on God's promises and said and then don't get me wrong I'm not one of those name and claim it preacher types you may have heard about in the past you know that we can claim anything and get anything well if it's not in God's will you're not going to get nothing as they would say The balance between stepping out on faith and taking the first step, and listening to the power of his Holy Spirit talking inside of you, and this church, and those that lead it, those that guide it, those that are part of it, to say this, Lord, what is your vision? What's that verse out of the book of Proverbs where there is no vision, the people perish and nothing happens? Vision. I remember when I embarked on that journey 20 years ago this weekend, wondering would be ever, after their 20-some-odd-year history of going nowhere fast and declining and going backward, would there ever be a building someday? Would there ever be anything except what little they had? and we spent the first year dealing with the fact that it's not totally up to us to make all this happen, you know, where's the faith part? You know, I, I remember this one guy early on in the church before we got a building, and I'm preaching a service, a sermon like this one today about faith, about standing on the promises, about looking at what Jesus has done, accomplished, and if we're so in doubt that we, nothing's ever going to happen, why do we bother to believe in him if we don't believe he can do anything in our midst? And I remember this guy, he had been an accountant for General Motors Corporation. He was based out of New York City and he oversaw their retirement funds back in the day from the 80s into the 90s and then he retired and moved to Florida and had a place in Colorado. And I'm talking about getting a building. We had a building fund, and someone was about to make a large contribution toward that fund. Well, faith is only good to a point. I remember him saying that in a a meeting. And I said, really? Please define the point. He couldn't. But he says a practical matter, he started getting into the numbers and this and that and the other. I said, so what does your wisdom tell you that we need to do? I challenged him. He was on my vestry when he said that. When I talked about we need to step out on faith, begin to look and act like we are going to have our own place and grow. Until we make the first step, God's not going to drop a building out of the sky and buy the land for us and send us a golden invitation in the mail to come see your new church. It doesn't work that way. We need to do something as a part of the equation. So I asked him, you know, so what do you mean faith is good to a point? Well, the mind, you know, we're wise. We can do certain things. And I said, well, what are you proposing? He said, I want to take all the money that we have in the building fund and invest it for you for a year or two so you can have more. And I said, no, the Lord did not give us this money today to invest for some day down the road. And I refused to let him do it, and he gave a case of where we should invest it. He wanted us to invest $125,000 into Enron. He said we could double our money. I refused, and he and I had some words. Then I found out he was technically a member of another church in Colorado, and I threw him off the vestry and out of the church best thing I ever did (laughs) four months after he was gone we were closing on the new building that God provided the building he said we never could get and when that church sold the building they had six hundred eighty seven thousand dollars in equity in just a couple of years they didn't think I knew what I was doing God provided made it happen But I'll also tell you that church lost it all later because they stopped being faithful. They called an unfaithful pastor. They stopped doing the things that it takes to do to maintain the church. He ran a lot of people off. And the leadership of that church body did nothing to stop it until it was too late. Goes back to a sermon I preached a month ago, the hour of visitation. God's there. The water's stirring, hop in. Enjoy. Step into the water. What's the message I'm trying to get to you today? Jesus says, it is I, fear not. Step out on faith. You're not going to drown. You're not. I'm not going to allow that to happen. Unless you want it to happen. If you want to drown yourself, go ahead. But if you trust me, you won't. That's a hard lesson for us to receive at times, this stepping out on faith. There's an old, old Christian song. I remember hearing Southern Gospel groups sing it. Faith is so simple. A child can do it. And sometimes that's where we make our biggest mistake. We forget our childhood. We forget the innocence. And we try to outthink God. And our mind is nowhere near his. We try to challenge and argue with his word why it won't work. Have we ever done that saying, the word says this, but but God, understand, it doesn't work that way in this know his word What's it say jesus christ yesterday today and forever the same i believe that fully i know this past sunday i had the opportunity of sharing a message with a body of believers and i really enjoyed it because i do prefer the older prayer book i have to admit it that's just me i do like it <laughs> you know and it was i felt so much at home there where is God taking the church in this age final thought before I close out the United States and I've said this over and over again on my radio show and a few times in this church we've had it good too good you know the church grew For 65 years in North Korea, after the ceasefire, though it was illegal and could get you killed or put into a gulag or a prison camp, lose everything, it grew. We found out after Mao Zedong took over China in the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s and into the 90s, the church is still there underground and growing, though they could lose everything there are churches in pakistan india all parts of africa that have been dominated by islamic sharia law where the church is thriving though they know they could die and lose their life for their faith and here in america the first time we're not happy with our church we leave if it's too much of a challenge or there's something else better coming along on a sunday how many people you know, go to the first church of the Home Depot on Sunday morning or worship at Lowe's because it's available and it's easy. And nobody, and you know, we, church is something that for too many people today has become secondary. For some, if they don't feel like they're getting anything for themselves to benefit themselves, they keep church shopping or just stay home, period and find something else better to do. For lack of a better term, it's hard to sell a church in this day and age when you're asking for being uncomfortable, when you're asking to put yourself on the line in an increasingly secular society, when you're asking people to put faith in something like God's word over the mind of man and the internet, Are we the church, the living body of Christ on this earth? Are we a remnant of what that body of believers that gave their lives and put them on the line 2,000 years ago in that first century? Or are we an afterthought, a club? Sometimes that's hard to hear and i know that i i wake up at night and i say lord you've called me to do certain things you've now provided the opportunity to do those things and it's time to walk through that door and get those things done you know it is i be not afraid When I ask you to take a step of faith, it is I. Be not afraid when I ask you to trust in my word. It is I. Be not afraid when I take you across the threshold of this life into the life of the world to come. It is I. Be not afraid to be my body on this earth, the ecclesia, because you've been called out. Heavenly Father, your church today in this country of America, in particular Canada, Europe, United Kingdom, no longer is the church of our fathers and, and forefathers. Many times they've ceased being the church at all. But you have those that are faithful to follow you that want to be your servants and obedient We need your guidance and leadership more now than ever before, as we are truly in a very different time and age across this world. It's not the hordes of hell or the fear of war that challenges us. It's our abundance. It's our abundance and the use of our free will Can ruin us. Revive us, Lord. Bring us back to that place when we first met you, when we first knew you fully, and as Lord of our lives, that we may follow you wherever you shall lead. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus Christ? Can you deal with all the difficulties that our world may face? Can you rest upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ? Does your faith look up to the author and finisher of your faith? Are you wholly His? His? That's a question you need to answer. We are living in perilous times. And for me, trying to find that balance on this radio program between giving you news you need to hear on so many fronts and balance that with the good news of the gospel that says, fear not, is not an easy task. I have said this over and over again on this radio program, we are never going to simply repair this nation at the ballot box. Remember, there are those that are stealing ballots. We know it happens. We know there are those that want to control every aspect of your life. And they're not gonna give up without a hard fought fight. Those that seek money and power. Those that profit on war. Those that don't care about the damage they do to cities and communities like East Palestine, Ohio. Those that don't care about lying about things like gender and will mutilate and destroy young children without telling the parents. These are demonically possessed people. And until we recognize that they have given their lives over to evil, we can't even begin to deal with it in our own lives. Do you believe in this mission and ministry? I really hope that you can help us out. If you can, would you consider writing a check made payable to Ancient Word Radio? Ancient Word Radio, our mailing address, post office box 510. Post Office Box 510 In Chilhowee C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E Chilhowee, Virginia The zip code is 24319 That's 24319 Or you can support us from the website. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website Truth, the number two and the word ponder.com